Howdy, everyone, and welcome to Wild Wild Weiss, the community podcast for Calgary Weiss Schwartz. I'm today's host, Tim Jensey. Today, after slacking on the podcast side for like half a year or so, we've got a pillar of the competitive Weiss and agrarian Weiss communities here to pick his brain. He is the proprietor of Dan's Ranch, content creator for Burn One, tournament house extraordinaire, community dad. The list goes on, but I gotta stop it here. Welcome, Dan from Dan's Ranch, to Wild Wild Weiss. How y'all doing? I'm doing good today. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. We had uh, locals last night. Uh, didn't get absolutely dumped on for once, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> That's always a good feeling. Always a good feeling. Yeah. So, are you looking at any of the new sets coming down, or? Yeah. Um, most of them sequels and like what Princess Connect I've been in. Excited huh? for Dal New Quince. That yeah. New Quince that looks insane. I haven't been following. Uh, what's really been the highlight for you on that? So they got two new finishers that are disgusting. The Itsuki finisher just says Ditch 3, Burn 3, Mocha 2. Oh, Jesus. Ditch 3 sounds hard, but not, not when you have 9 hand going into turn. <laughs> I think that kills that. That probably kills from like uh, late twos. Yeah, that just sounds oppressive. Yeah, it was disgusting. But the set's getting a lot of support for the waifu decks. Itsuki's gonna be insane. Yotsuba's gonna be insane. She got two new combos. So I'm really excited to see what that does with the with the set. I know a lot of people uh, like the girl with the headphones. Did she get support or? Miku got, is getting support. How good she becomes depends on whether she gets a new event or not. Really? Because her deck revolves around the headphone event right now. Okay. And the two versions we have are pretty mediocre. Oh, so if they get a better version of the headphone event, mm -hmm. then, then we're that, in business. And then we're in game. Because your combos are good, as long <laughs> as the event's good. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, I think we got plenty warmed up. Let's move on into some questions. Mm -hmm. How did you initially get into White Schwartz? What hooked you in? All right, so this back back in college, what twenty fifteen sixteen, at my at my college we had this like little dining area, and I saw people playing card games, and that's what how I got into card games in the first place was actually started with what Yu Gi Oh and Vanguard, mm. and then I saw why that's how I found why Schwartz because people were playing Vanguard and I was like oh it's Bushy Road, and then from there, I started slowly playing, casually playing. I didn't actually start. Like heavily investing the game until like 2020. Oh wow! Relatively recently, even though like I was introduced pretty early on. Okay, okay. So just so I got the story straight, you were just going for like lunch or dinner between classes, saw some dudes playing cards, and you're like, mm -hmm. "That's it. That's me." Yeah, I started talking to them, started playing with them, because my brother was a Magic player, so like I wasn't completely new to card games. I just never really like bought cards, owned cards of my own. Okay, okay, that's super neat. If you don't mind me asking, was there a locals around where you started playing uh, with these dudes at college? Yeah, so my college was 30 minutes away, but there's a locals like five minutes from my house, which is, has been great. I've been going there since then. Okay, okay. Sounds like your lo the local scene you guys have is uh, very supportive, very strong, so. Yeah, uh, it's been a little declining since COVID because people lost jobs, moved that had to move to different cities and things like that. So our player base has kind of like diminished. Uh, but we still get like eight mans off every week. 
Okay. So given that you only really started to get heavily invested in the game uh, in the last two, three years or so, mm -hmm. how and why did you establish the ranch? It started as a meme, right? I don't know if you heard of it. I don't know if I can say it here, but Ram Ranch. It's this like stupid cowboy R18 song on YouTube. Yeah. And they would just play that every. This was back when we we're the disc, the card games Discord was just popping off. We had 10, 20 people in there like daily. Oh, God. And then I just made a meme, Dan's Ranch. I didn't even want to make anything from it. I just wanted to post my card sleeves. And then uh, one day I was like, Let, let's do a tournament. Sounds good. Sounds fun. So your name is actually just a Ram Ranch joke. Yes. <laughs> Living in Texas was just a plus, you know? <laughs> Here I was a trip. There was like some pun or something or something oh. deeper about you. No, it's just about no. naked fucking cowboys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's really funny because Plat Plat was like bugging me. It's like, hey, do you want to ask about how many cowboys there are in the ranch? I'm like, oh, no, I don't know, man. I'm not sure how he'll take that. And then you're just like, no, it's a Ram Ranch joke. Oh. <laughs> yep. We had, what, 16 people back in Texas? I was almost there. Almost had the 18 naked cowboys. <laughs> That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what you're then saying is... These going first, going second cards that I've been using for the better part of a month are one step removed from a Ram Ranch joke? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, was that the moment when you decided, I'm going to make a bunch of going first, going second cards based off this joke? Yeah, so what happened was... We were talk. I think we were seeing like going for a second cards on like Twitter or something. So Bushy started making. I was like, "Oh, that's a cool idea." And then we just had a bunch of like Twitch emotes in our chat, which like poggers, poggers. And that was that was that time where everyone was just learning these Twitch emotes. Fucking Wilk from the Discord comes in. He's he speaks in memes. He speaks in emotes, and it just like spread to everyone. And then I was like, I have this, this profile picture, right? Because I yeah. I made my the dance ranch logo, quote unquote. And I was like, it'd be really funny if I made these emotes. And so I made the emotes, and then one day we was like, those would make good going first and second cards. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> then I just printed them. I ended up with so many because printing a small batch is actually really expensive and then like it's it's like an extra like 10 to 20 dollars to go from 100 copies to 500 copies and so i just fucking just print a bunch so so you ended up printing 500 copies of each card yeah okay that explains why you've got like one of those uh cardboard storage boxes full of them is just like yeah that that's just a small part of it <laughs> that that's not even all of them no oh my god dude I thought it would that small box was more than enough. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you run more tournaments and give them away. <laughs> if if I was rich, I'd, I'd do some in-person ones. Or if somehow you just end up working at the USPS and just slip off a few. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After the past few years, especially during the pandemic, the names 
Dan's Ranch became synonymous with a well-run tournament. What got you into running events? Well, it was just a fun idea because we were talking about how Bushy's fucking dead. Because, like, in the first year, like, half in two years, Bushy didn't do anything. There weren't any online events or nothing. And then I was like, all right, let's just do something this fun. Because we saw how WSI, how, um, dang, I couldn't remember, can't remember that other tournament they ran. But, like, the they had the online singles events, right? But yeah. it came springtime, like, oh, there's no trios events to play in. All right, let's, let's do one. We were just talking about Discord. Mm-hmm. It was like, fun. Like, all right. And then we started planning slowly. It was, like, a lot of... A lot of learning, a huge learning experience on running it. I was actually surprised that it ran so smoothly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was looking back at it, I'm like, man, we didn't. There were a lot of things I didn't do that would have made it run smoother. But like, I think we being patient and just giving like an hour in between rounds really let make up for those like uh, mistakes, like not having the check in, not having the deck list ready sometimes. Right. And things like that. It's like the the that extra hour time for like quote unquote online play. It actually wasn't needed because the rounds actually ended relatively quickly. It's just a lot of setting up in between the rounds. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, because I still remember uh, even with a lot of the things that you're mentioning that you didn't do like check in and having available deck lists. Uh, I remember some tournaments where just something would happen. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, your time budget is just completely blown out, be it uh, Anna Evo where uh, Smash GG just died on them. Mm-hmm. Or some of the Bushy Road events where uh, there were particularly long judge calls. Yeah, I think the most recent two events had like kind of like hiccups at the start, but we were able to make up for it later on in the later rounds where we like kind of cut five minutes, five minutes each round because we people finished quick enough, like. People got used to the webcam gameplay, mm. and like, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we could run a standard tournament, like thirty-five minutes plus three turns, or thirty minutes plus three turns. Oh wow! Uh, I'd rather not like budget for that because I I want that safety net. I don't Makes want sense. anyone just any double loss because of camera issues, right? Right, right, right. Do you also think that maybe uh, we're able to make the time back a bit just because like the dance ranch type tournaments do tend to attract. I don't want to say higher skilled players, but players that are definitely more plugged into a Weiss community. Do you think that helps us as we get further into the tournament? We could just start churning out 35 minute games, 40 minute games. Actually, there are a lot of like newer players playing really? in the tournaments. Yeah. Like, um, they're probably like some like two week, month, three months. Like, a lot of these players are new. I've never seen them before. Uh, on stream, same thing. They would, they would, but, from like the way they play, the way they talk, they looked at things, asked about uh, other people's cards. Like you could see, yeah, there were a lot of people who were well in franchise in White Shores, but then there were also a lot that weren't, which was the goal of the tournaments, really, because running these online tournaments gives you a reach that in person tournaments don't. Like it's a lot easier to set up a webcam and play at home than like, it's like oh, I want to go out to my store and play there. Sometimes, yeah. Right. Okay, okay, cool. So that actually really dovetails us really nicely into the next question is, what's your favorite part about running events? Well, just getting all the people together. It's fun seeing people actually play the game because at the end of the day, I do like white shorts. I know a lot of the like longer playing, like longer career players are starting to get like tired of, tired of the way Bushy's pushing the game. But at the end of the day, the concept of the game is really fun. 
and I just want other people to actually enjoy it. A lot of people don't have locals. A lot of people don't have regionals, big tournaments, big events they can play, attend. And so being able to provide that is a good feeling. Right. So do you foresee uh, more Dan's Ranch online tournaments coming in 2022, 2023, and beyond? Uh, definitely. Uh, not in the works right now because I'm kind of focusing on my career right now. Makes sense. But uh, I don't see it ending. Perfect. No, I like to hear that too. You've been or runner heavily involved in the operation of a large variety of tournaments, trios, classic formats, and more. Can you walk us through how you take an idea from conception to execution? Right. So now that I've run several tournaments, I kind of like have a checklist of what needs to be done. It's not hard. The biggest thing is getting word out and giving people enough time to prepare. Right. So, like, if we get an idea, I first thing I think of is, all right, when do I want to run it? I want to give people at least, like, one to two months to practice for their tournament, get their PTO time, day off, whatever set up. Yeah. Next thing is time zones, right? It's a pain dealing with 10 different time zones, and we do have to make concessions to, because, like, at most, it's going it's, I'm in America, so that's going to be one of the big, it's going to be during my daytime, right? Yeah, And so now uh, that's the first limitation, not to worry about people in Europe, in Australia, the two biggest things, because people in South America are only like uh, three hours plus or minus three hours max. Yeah. Right. And then I don't think I've got anyone from Africa or Asia. Right. In any of these tournaments, I haven't seen anyone, at least not that I've noticed. Uh, maybe, no, no, some Singapore. Some Singapore. Yeah. Okay. But uh, outside of that, not much really. So that's the four primary time zones I'm worried about when I plan a tournament. And then from there, it's just deciding whether it's singles and um, or trios. Right. Lately, I am just leaning towards trios as a competitive format. I, I think that is the way for Weiss. Okay. And what do you like about trios in particular? So it's a pseudo best of three format, right? Hmm. As long as, like, you're playing with people you trust, friends. So, instead of being the pseudo best of three, which makes it, like, logistically possible for Weiss to run, it, the tournament actually becomes faster, right? Yeah. Because now we also, it's only, like, six rounds instead of seven or eight. It's like, well, and then you have, like, the same amount of people, right? 150 people is actually only 50 teams. And then you, you get the best of three format. You get uh, quicker tournaments, faster tournaments. So people are, aren't leaving at like midnight now. Yeah. <laughs> it's both a logistical solution as well as competitive solution because the biggest issue with Weiss is the best of one format. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, it encourages this like false deck diversity where at most a third of the event will be a deck versus half of the event is a deck. Right. Right. And then it, encourages different deck building too i think uh going to singles format versus trios right in what sense do you think it fosters different deck building like people are going to be building a wider array of decks because there's a bit more diversity or people are cognizant about okay i'm in the left lane i'm going to see this more often sort of thing so i don't think lanes actually matter much in twice because of no communication rule so it's actually just a coin flip but like the 
the difference in deck building is because you instead of saying I'm gonna go and like into a singles meta, right? Let's say you have fifty percent, twenty five percent, then twenty five percent are random, right? Yeah, whatever like that, right? So you're building, you're you're able to like focus your deck building more than in the trios format where you are only like thirty three percent to see the strongest deck in the format. You're allowed right. to have a little bit more um, freedom, IMO. Yeah, somehow at uh, Houston, I actually didn't see Mushoku Tensei. <laughs> right. It's it's really funny because um, Hanson from Burn One, right? He yeah. he was on Bing Dream, and he built his deck to deal with Mushoku. Then he just queues into like four different Bing Dream decks. <laughs> <laughs> and then vice versa, some people are queuing into six Mushoku decks. It's really um, like I said, it was RNG, right? It's random because there's no communication. I, that's something I really wish they had. Okay, okay. We got a big question here then. And uh, Patty, if you're doing the creepy uh, transcribing thing, start here. In Magic the Gathering, teammates can convert during matches in team trios. In Weiss, they cannot. Based on your experience as a tournament organizer and a player, do you think teammates should be allowed to communicate in-game, in team trios, and why? Uh, I absolutely think they should be able to communicate, right? You're a team, right? Versus three individual players just playing together. It, it just feels so, you know, like it just feels so weird that saying you're, you're a team, but you're not allowed to help each other out other than saying nothing. I, I don't think you're actually supposed to like communicate whether you won or lost either. Oh. Because you're not allowed to communicate at all. Prior to a event, right, as a team, you talk to each other, you communicate with each other, you make plans, you have ideas. And so just like playing as three individual matches as three individual players doesn't really foster that like team environment that uh, I think is fun. Mm. Kind of like what I was touching on earlier, how it's a pseudo best of three. This is like Weiss's way of dealing with the best of one. They don't actually want teams. This is how I'm kind of like feeling about that no communication rule. Okay. I don't think it actually matters that much, right? Because as a team, you are you're talking to each other beforehand, right? You're discussing your decks beforehand, hopefully. You're discussing your lines. You're teaching that. Just sometimes you want to remind your you're like you you tunnel. You, you want to remind your teammate that hey hey what about this? But don't think about this. Slow down. So on, right? And I feel that that is much more representative of a team rather than three individual players together. Yeah. From an event organizer side, how much extra time do you think you would have to budget to allow for communication? Communication? Um, it shouldn't be that much, like maybe five minutes max. Because yeah. like you're not playing the game for your teammate, hopefully. Just yeah. go, wait, don't forget this. Oh, hey, this might be better. And then like, as a person you worked with beforehand, right? You should know what the lines of their deck are. They should understand the lines of their deck as well. You're just saying, hey, let's let's open up your mind a little bit. Makes sense. All right, all right. Thanks for a really good answer. And I actually want the audience to weigh in here too. So uh, please send me your opinion on whether trios should allow within team communication during the match. We, as Wild Wild Weiss, will be doing a bigger episode on this later down the road, and I want to hear your thoughts so I can read them off on the podcast. Please send me your written down thoughts or short audio file to my Discord, Igor Squatslov, hashtag 3928, or DM the show's Twitter account, at Wild Wild Weiss. And moving back on to the interview, what do you find most challenging about running these events? So challenging is probably just the setup, 
the actual day of is pretty smooth if you did all your prep correctly, right? It's not, it's all about not missing steps, doing everything properly, making sure you have the proper people where they need to be. Like the original Dance Dance Trios was just three of us. It was uh, me, Tin, and Kevin. And we were judge, we were organizer, we were streamer. <laughs> right, so there was some part of the tournament where I muted myself. I went to a different Discord. Because I, I had to have a second Discord open for judging. Yep. And that was, I quickly realized that that was not the way. And I realized, like, even though it's online events, we, we do actually need people working on it. Delegating a hedge judge, I think, is important. So that uh, as an organizer, I don't have to go decide that myself. Yeah. I like I trust this guy. You have full control over the judges. The division of labor is important too. Though it is a lot lighter than in-person events because there's no, nothing physical to deal with. Um, at some point, I do want to try integrating some sort of Discord bot, the online tournament software or something. Uh, make it a little bit more automatic, make it easier on the staff. Sorry, what do you envision the bot doing? So, uh, score reporting. Okay. And then drops, things like that, because that's something that could be fully automatic. I mean, obviously, judge calls and, th- and like other issues that still need to be manual. But uh, removing that, just those steps of us having to report, make sure we report correctly, and leaving yeah. it in the hands of the players themselves, as long as it's like a good software. Uh, would help those tournament a lot. It also lets people focus more on the stream itself. Right. And it also just lets judges be judges instead of judges mm-hmm. doing uh, clerical work. Yes, that's one thing that always kind of like bothered me about what's called Bushy Road events. Quote unquote judges were kind of like a catch-all. They did everything. It felt weird. Yeah. No, I can see that for sure, especially because it was like, it's all paper slips still. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of all the events that you've run, which were your favorites? I think so. Probably the original Trios event, uh, Dance Dance Trios. It was the biggest one. So it was really fun. It was also the first one in like uh, first Trios in forever. Started what, 2021? Yeah, started 2021, February. So that was just like a year into the, a year into the pandemic. This was after there was no Weiss being played in person. There was like, what, one Weiss tournament online. And so it was just like the timing of it, how well it ran the first time doing it. And just really made me like the event, remember the, like, remember that really fondly. Awesome to hear. Is there any event you want to run, but just haven't had the chance to do it yet? So we've had a lot of events. I know we, I wanted to do like, special events online like you know how they have like hollow life cup yeah uh, like the quince cups things like that that'd be really fun to see online like Beijing cup because uh, everything barring like the retro event has been like meta events i i do want to get like side not side events but like these non-meta deck events uh online because that that is a huge part of the community as well i think all right, all right. And that leads us into, and apparently a thing I only do with Texas players, a podcast game, if you're down to play. 
I'm going to pitch some tournament ideas and you give me either a yay, nay, and a why. You down? Sure. Perfect. The first one is standard. No. Standard, I think, is toxic. And the, the difference between a casual standard player and a competitive standard player is so, so, so massively different that I think it would create a really bad tournament experience. So you're not going to like the second one, which is standard, but money match. Absolutely not. <laughs> so like standard requires so much wise knowledge, other, unless like your net decking, even your net decking, you, you have to learn how to play the deck, right? Yeah. That people who actually play practice standard are like, I have no idea what's in there. I just know that people are building these decks that, that get banned within three months. Like they, that made dragon ban yeah. for standard. Bushy Road suddenly updating the standard ban list has me curious on what, what their plans for it are because they've touched it the last two ban lists. I wonder if they're actually going to make an official event or something. They had an official tournament back in, I want to say April. Oh, did they? Yeah, so standard seems to be back on the menu. That's exciting for people who want to play standard, but like like I said, like as an online tournament, it's really hard for a new player to actually understand how strong standard is a non-constructed format be it either webcam or through some other service that allows you to just essentially dump a box on someone's lap and give them an hour to build a deck okay so that would have to be like a digital format right yeah or in person right because i am a fan of sealed formats drafting magic was my favorite way to play magic so i think if you do it right it's could be really fun. Uh, I know I played uh, Patty Wagon's Cube a couple times, and all the times it was really enjoyable. He did an amazing job creating that cube. Oh yeah. I think if you did it via like tabletop simulator, it'd work. Or maybe Wise Fight. You just oh, dump them a list of like give them a, a like a text file of cards, and then they make an encore deck link, and then just convert it to Wise Fight deck. Right, right. A cube-based tournament. Cube-based tournament. So how would that work, right? We would need multiple cubes, multiple pods, and then just have the winner of each pod. Yes. It'll come out. Yeah, and then do like a king's pod or something on a day two. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Let's see what. You run four pods that take two people from each pod? Something like that, yeah. 32 people, or maybe double that, make it 64, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be really fun. But like I said, like the issue with like the sealed formats online is that it does have to be virtual. Yeah. Yeah, you can't pass me the pack through the webcam. Which is part of like the drafting experience, but it is what it is. That's the best we can do. I do think that would be really fun though. I've always done just kind of fun cube drafts, uh like uh Plat Plat has his English cube and We've been talking with Patty, and like his cube sounds really fun, and he's been working on Cube 2.0. Yeah. So uh, the future of Weiss cubes looks bright. Absolutely. I would love to see cube competitive play. Right. So because it really pushes a different skill set than regular Weiss, I think. Yeah, totally, totally. Because you got to be able to quickly identify cards and the synergy too, right? Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Just being able to pick 
the brains of people who build these cubes because that takes such a different skill set too, right? Right. Skill set dedication. Yeah. Because like, imagine you're you're working with a fifty card deck, right? And then you yeah. still have to play test all your changes. Now you're working with a, what eight hundred card cube, four hundred card cube, whatever. <laughs> My God. No, I want to see this happen now. Finally, instead of limited list of decks, the mech fight. You build a deck, but your deck must have at least ten cards with mechs on them. Or standard. Not standard, neo-standard. Restricted list of sets. Deck must have 10 mechs. No, that sounds disgusting. I hate mechs. <laughs> you hate mechs. The only mech anime I've watched was Code Geass. Okay, you picked one that just went right off the rails, dude. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I also watched Aquarian. I think that was what it's called. Yeah. I like the director for Aquaria, but that one also just gets it go it goes places. It's just I, I heard that song and the song made me watch it. Right. Yeah, and that song. Yeah, so good. It is a really good song. I think those are the only two mech animes I've ever watched. I don't play mech games either. It's not my thing. Well, you did mention you'd be down for uh, VTubers or idols. Oh, yeah. So maybe you can watch Macross Frontier. Macross Frontier. I heard songs from it. My friend yeah. really likes the show. Because there's what? That, that, that. Orange hair girl, the girl with long purple hair. Uh, green. Sorry, it's green hair and long, long, uh, pinkish hair. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, uh, oh, it's Idols no. and Max. No, I was thinking Macross Frontier Delta. Delta, yeah. Macross Delta. That's the one. Yeah. Frontier actually has a white set. Yes, it does. Yep. But really old. Really old. It's very I've, fun. <laughs> I've never seen someone with the cards, actually. Oh, I've I seen had people them. with like dog days, fucking day, day break illusion. Never seen Macross <laughs> Frontier in person. I busted out Macross Frontier before the locals in, in Houston, eh? Oh. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it's. Uh... It's it's fun. It's old. Not much else to say. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like the only good idea I threw at you was the sealed formats. Yes, I hate standard. Okay, so I don't hate standard. Okay, standard is really really cool. I just don't know enough about Weiss to make a cool deck without net decking. Fair. And I think standard is definitely one of those ones where I want to know more about standard. Mm-hmm. But in Calgary, there's like only two or three people who actually care about standards. So there's not enough for me to be like, okay, I'm going to go on Uyute and I'm going to hunt down Boba Fett. I'm going to hunt down Action Common and all these other rare car rare cards that are probably a little pricey, right? Exactly. Because no matter how interested you are, if you don't have a player base, it's kind of like feels bad. Yeah, like... I can't imagine like some of the people who are coming out to like regional events. It's like, yeah, it's just me and my buddy and that's it. Like the mm -hmm. only people in like 15 mile radius that plays this game. I'm like, man, you're dedicated. Right. Because my friend, he, I mentioned earlier, uh, we had a bunch of people from Houston who had like got laid off. They had to move for work. Yeah. And I always forget which state it is. It's somewhere up north, northeast-ish. Zero Weiss. He hasn't played Weiss up there at all. 
Oh, wow. And it's been three years. Yeah, that's nutty. Hey, like, I can't imagine being in a place without a, like, a, like a small locals with it, you know? Like, eight people at least, right? For a tournament. And then that's a huge section of people, right? They don't have a locals. If you're not inside, like, not Texas, but, like, Houston, Dallas have huge crews. San Antonio and then California has a lot of players. New York, Chicago. But if you ask me any city outside of those, like, four locations, I, I can't tell you a city that has a strong wise community. I've heard Miami and uh, I want to say St. Petersburg and Florida have big scenes, too. It could, but, like... Yeah, but I don't hear anything about it. Exactly. Like, and as we quote unquote hear things about it, but like the white community in Houston is actually small now. It's just that we have dedicated players, which is what makes it easier. Like uh, Calgary's white group has been for a while. We were we had a peak, then we troughed, and now we're kind of growing again. So hopefully, you guys are just kind of in a kind of in a, in a lull before your growth growth mm-hmm. happens again. Because now we're up to like twenty five, thirty people a weekly now. That's really good. We're just. Uh... Maybe like after like COVID slowing down, you know, people start coming out again, or maybe I don't know. Um, English is popping off at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the English game is healthy right now? In GP, yes. Yeah. I do not like the way JP plays right now. Not just right now, the last couple years actually. Really? Yeah, they've gone in like over twenty twenty one. Decks have gotten so much stronger. Yeah. That was yes, just yesterday? Yeah. I was curious, so I asked a couple of friends to like rate all the sets from 2021 to 2020 to now. Yeah. So in 2021, I, I ignored uh, Superstars. In 2022, I ignored Kimono Dragon. Or Aid Dragon. Yeah. Because those two are clearly outliers. Like, Superstars was a solid 10. Kimono Dragon or uh, Maid Dragon's like a solid two, three. I'm so sad, man. <laughs> right. And those are just like complete outliers in terms of deck strength. So the average difference was like one and a half points because I asked them to rate it from one to ten. Yeah. Given it's like it's extremely, extremely small bias size, but like sets in 2022 so far, only 10 sets, but like the average has been like significantly better than last year's. Yeah, and then D-side just drops, and it's like, oh, oh, like, yeah, Assault Lily, D-side. Assault Lily 2, we have D-side, Power Level, the Quince cards being revealed are really, really, really strong. Yeah, yeah but Saikano 2, or 3. 3, yeah. Pushes us back into meta. Nijisgaki 2 was disgusting as well. Yep. And then uh, Data Live 2, 3, I haven't seen anything, like, super busted in it. No, but you're giving Data Live the Nijigasaki standby tools. Yes, but you got rid of the biggest standby threat, which is the Kurumi, which is a tool off. Yeah, because that Kurumi is just disgusting. It really is. I love it. <laughs> and like the Val as a set is a very privileged set. I think uh, the card quality in that set is just insanely high. You, um, Harmon said it best. Like you take any card from the original Daylight set, then you like 
you take its rarity, you compare it to any other card in the vice, that same rarity is probably better. Oh, yeah. It's probably just better. Like, that's the thing with with Dow 2, Dow 3. You don't even have to have that many good cards. You only need, like, a yeah. handful, and Dow's probably back up to, if not tier, like, S tier, then definitely back into A tier. Yeah, so, like, Dow is just a d- disgusting as a set. Um, and that's where Quince is headed. <laughs> yeah. Do you actually think that, like, Dow in 2020 kind of started off on a trend of just, like, very a lot of power creep like you had dal and kagia basically just dominate a format yes so like when i talk to my friends we talk about yeah that's post dal pre dal dal was like a huge 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 power shift right it's like if you look at the things released in the same year as dal you have fgo you have lost decade you have key 20th you have soccer tyson konosuba uh, I think that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. You had um, Funny Girl set two, Grisaya set one, Sal ten, right? Yeah, and then you have Dal. Dal single handedly pushed those previous like what eight sets or so out of the meta. Then after Dal, my God, you had what uh, the Capo twentieth Annie, yeah, Summer Pockets uh, set two. Set two, Kaguya. Heaven's Fields Evolved two, Kaguya. Three amazing decks, four amazing decks. Then you go into 2021. Started off pretty weak, actually, because you had Prekone and Kamakari. Then you get to Prilia, which is the new Eight Pants deck. You get to Sao Alice two. Yeah. Go to Slime Balling two, Salt Lily. <laughs> Then the infamous Simple Gear. My goodness, Simple Gear was disgusting. You mean Simple Gear finally got good? Yeah. That was so weird that they managed to release four previous Simple Gear decks and it was never good enough, even with Simple Gear's massive card pool. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's Kirika and uh, Shirabe. And uh, they proc off similar climaxes. Have fun. Oh, it's also eight gate. Sorry, eight bar. Eight bar. So just go at it. I think it ended up going choice bar near the end because Dal hadn't been banned yet. Right. And then uh, they couldn't get the board. So they went to choice, which is Slam Attack. Oh, and then we got Kamisama Natahi. Uh, yeah, that came out before. Right. Yeah. Guy, which kind of never broke into like consistent tops, but it was there. It was just like bullied by Simple Gear. Mushoku soon after. It was like Mushoku's like. Three or four months after, yeah, they became guide. My God, and then Quinset two came. Out. <laughs> oh, Quinset two twelve standby Nino is actually a mistake. Thank God they banned it, but then they released this new set, which makes it broken again. <laughs> How long do you think that stays until it hits the ban list? So, at least three months. They don't ban anything right away. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Bushy Road has been a lot more, a lot lighter on their bans on bans. Mm. Well, I mean, like, they're quicker to pull the trigger versus before they're extremely hesitant to do bans, extremely hesitant to unbans. So I want to see how they're actually progressing with that. Yeah. Because I think this is the first time they've released a set, a sequel set that's very strong for a set that just got banned. Right. Right, because like you, Grisaya gets banned, you get Grisaya set too, which is ass. 
like the, the sunshine stuff after the band wasn't that good either if i remember correctly Dal, you go to data bullet kaguya you get whatever this kaguya set is just extremely disappointing is there anything in there not that i remember i know they're trying to like explore some new decks i i don't remember seeing anything like spectacular oh no right so but yeah and then in like the last half year we get zombie lad saga which is inconsistent but kind of cool Don Machi, which is good. Love Life Superstar, which required banning pretty much immediately. Assault Lily, and then New Bang Dream, and Decide Traumary. And then Nijigasaki. And Nijigasaki, yeah. Then Saikano got the buff. The new set is on, which is making it very good again. Which is... Right, because now let's look at the sets that are like top right now. That'd be like Assault Lily, you think Decide? Those two sets were released within the last year. And I can see an argument for the new Nijikasaki finisher. The Nijikasaki, yeah, those are like top. The Nijikasaki is definitely top five as well. Uh, Saikano's up there as well. Right. And all these sets were within the last eight months, seven months, because Assault Lily was January. Yep. Right. Where where all the decks before that? Either banned into oblivion or just made redundant. I think Gochiusa is probably the oldest deck that's seeing play with a bloom. I do see people bring out sword art, but someone will always bring out sword art. That's the thing about Wise, right? I say these decks are like amazing, top tier good, but like I don't think a deck has a higher than a 70% win rate in Wise. Yeah. Well, think even with the research that I'm doing right now uh, at my interim result, going first buffs your win rate by just 20%. Sorry, 20 percentage points. That's a lot. Like, that's a lot. Like, going second takes you from a 60, puts you at a 40% win rate. Yeah. Which says a lot. Mm -hmm. I always thought that I never actually did the math for it, but I'm not surprised. I've collected about 350 games of yeah. data at this point. I'm going for a thousand. It makes sense to me. <laughs> Given there are a lot of those factors, but as if you get enough data, it's just it'll normalize it. Yeah. I'm hoping at a thousand I'll actually be able to properly account for matchups. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that's like, oh, okay, maybe it maybe a, maybe it's only a, a five percent buff. Or you just do the mirror a thousand times. A mirror a thousand. I don't want to watch that many games, man. <laughs> just play it <laughs> do you think you've played a thousand games of Weiss hmm. let me that's a lot of games yeah because I've been playing since 2012 and I can't confidently say yes <laughs> thousand games if you play 10 games a day that'd be 100 days yeah they're 52 weeks a year I think I would I think I've played a thousand by this point. Yeah, okay. Hundred percent. hundred percent. I played a thousand by now. Sounds good. Like, sounds good. That's right. Let's see. I've been playing for let's say six years, right? Yeah. Six years, fifty-two weeks a year. If I play play three games a day, I'd be at nine hundred games. Three games a week. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be at uh nine hundred already, and I've definitely played more than that. Okay. Maybe if we just paid more attention to all those games we played. 
Yeah. If we actually start taking notes right now, maybe in a three years' time, I'd have it. <laughs> yeah. I have to thank my TO for allowing me to run around uh, the play space with a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just go. I ask everyone who went first, who won, what set were you playing? That's good. I could, I could help with that. I'll let, I'll try to remember. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so moving away from tournament organization, you're a very good Weiss player in your own right. Uh, what sort of decks do you like to play, and why? I like doing fun things, cool things. So I like decks that like burn a lot, man, or do something strong in the mid game, like okay. Big Dream. And I double chew two, and I just say, "Hey, can you deal with this?" Or that's why I don't like decks like Psychono, where I'm just like self-elating myself for five turns before finishing them. Right. So you want to be an active pilot the whole time? Not necessarily. I just like doing strong things. Okay. Like I was saying, being GM2 too, I was like, yeah, can you do something about this? It's not even either, like, I, I kind of like solar care to it. But when I play Chu 2 I feel really strong. Or like in Bunny Girl, I get to Mocha for three, three times. Or try to, at least. Right, right. Or I guess, uh, say, if you were playing a deck that likes to just kind of do interesting, powerful stuff, but it was more defensive, like, say, uh, Kimono Friends that aggressively heals, would that convene to you as well? or? Yeah, I love heal spamming. <laughs> <laughs> What's your stance on flavor? How much does that matter to you? Flavor? So, not much, I think. I think flavor is really cool. Like, I really appreciate the Zek and Yuki combo and Sao. But as a player, it doesn't really influence anything in my deck building. No, that makes sense. Makes sense. What tournament achievement would you say you're most proud of? Uh, probably what the one I want. Uh, I talked. It was what my first regional in Houston, 2017, I think. Nice. And I got third. That's oh, that's incredible. Was that a singles event or a trios event? Singles. Oh, I actually this previous Houston Spring Fest was my first trios. Oh, okay. You guys went up for deck check, right? So we were 10th, and we were just in line waiting for people to fail deck check, but unfortunately no one failed. No, that's still an incredible showing, given that there was 50-odd teams. 52 teams. Yeah, I think we finished, like, 26, so half. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, 10th, that's a very, very good showing. Mm -hmm. So I think you're well-positioned to answer this next question. For a player just starting Weiss Schwartz in 2021, what advice? Sorry, 2022. Holy crap. It's 2022 now. Man, time's flying. For a player just starting Weiss Schwartz in 2022, what advice do you have? I mean, first things first is just like enjoy the game, have fun, play what you like. Because as a competitive game, Weiss is really um, demoralizing. It's really hard playing correctly and then getting punished because of rng yeah um like i'm not saying it's more luck based than any other card game it's just as a game weiss feels worse when you get unlucky yeah i think and so that's what it's very demoralizing play so uh, like as you're learning the game as you're determining whether you want to be a casual competitive player it's a lot easier to do it if you're doing something uh playing with something you like or enjoy okay wrapping this 
section of the interview up. If you had to distill all of your event organizing experience into one takeaway for a prospective event organizer, what would it be? Prepare. If you do your preparations correctly, you have nothing to worry about day of other than like sickness or like internet crashing. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. All right. And that's all the big burning questions I and the Calgary Y Schwartz community have for you today. Before we go, though, I'd like to see if you'd be down for a game of rapid fire. For those who don't listen to old hockey shows, rapid fire is a segment that Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole did on their Fox Sports show, Jay and Dan. They would ask a series of lighter or sillier questions in quick succession, most of them yes or no. When they went back to Canada Sports Network, TSN, they left the segment behind. My buddy decided to take it from them, and I'm stealing it from him. Are you down? Yeah. Cool. Better meta, English or Japanese? Right now, English. Best place for food after weeklies in your neck of the woods in Houston, Texas? Oh, BJ's Brewery. Damn. That ramen place he took it to is really good, too. That place was good, yes. Yeah. Uh, best thing to do in Houston that is not a tourist trap? Uh, food. <laughs> There's a lot of good food in Houston. What would you say is the best cuisine in Houston? Like, general. So, generally? Yeah. Uh, in Houston, it's Asian food, I think. Asian food, okay. Yeah, because you can get any good Indian, good Vietnamese, Thai, Japanese, Korean, anything you want. Which I think is rare. I haven't been to many cities outside of Houston, but the places I do don't have a strong Asian area. Okay. Maybe we'll have to get you up to Vancouver, Calgary, or Toronto and see if that changes your mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to train Dan's ranch hands, would you call the program 4D instead of 4H? What is hands? So a ranch hand is someone who helps out oh, at the ranch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a D. Perfect. And did you get Kevin the pho you promised him? No, because we had 16 people. I didn't want to cook. <laughs> I don't have a pot big enough. <laughs> All right. That wraps us up for today. Thank you again, Dan, for coming on the show. I think we've recorded something awesome here. Yeah, that was a good. Yeah, it was good stuff. If you like what you heard with this interview, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Search Wild Wild Weiss. You'll find our previous interviews with Weiss Almanac curator Patty Wagon, owner of Strictly Broken TCG, and former world champion the UA Peng, Ken Takahata, and Philip McKay, along with a bunch of other thoughtful Weiss discussion from the Calgary Weiss Schwartz community. If you want to check out our written work, head on over to wildwildweiss.wordpress.com, where you can uh, read about me talking about how good it is to go first and why you shouldn't think about attack order because that means you're probably going to hell. Watch our video content on YouTube. Search Wild Wild Weiss. Catch us every Friday for some live action on twitch.tv slash Wild Wild Weiss. Follow us on Twitter at Wild Wild Weiss or check out the Calgary Weiss Schwartz community on Facebook or Discord. Before we go, do you have anything you want to plug, Dan? Yeah, shout outs to Birdmon, uh, sick team. And shout outs to my Houston teammates, Sam and uh, Paru. Perfect. Until next time, this has been Tim Jancy. And I hope to see y'all next time.